tonight I feel that many of us need to hear this, just hear the Lord saying this over us and just this position of boldness and courage in sonship as children of God. First Samuel 18, 45. This is after David's been anointed, but he's still in his current assignment as just the shepherd boy. And he's going up against Goliath. He's gone to the camp. And he's saying with courage, I will go fight this Philistine. And Saul says, you're too small. You're too young. You're not qualified. You haven't trained. You're not a warrior. And this is David's response. David replied to the Philistine, You come to me with sword, spear, and a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of heaven's armies, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you defied. Today the Lord will conquer you, and I will kill you and cut off your head. And then I will give the dead bodies of your men to the birds and the wild animals and the whole world. And this is David's heart. And this is what I was feeling earlier, that as we come up against these giants in every single one of our lives, that if this is our heart position as a daughter, as a son, that I want God to get all the glory for this battle being won, for this victory, that the victory is guaranteed because the Lord is getting all the glory. And so he says, the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. And everyone assembled here will know that the Lord rescues his people. Hear this, please. The Lord is saying over us, I will rescue you. I will fight the battles. The battle is the Lord's. Amen? The battle is the Lord's. Whatever the battle is that each of us are facing, the battle is the Lord's. The Lord rescues his people, but not with sword and spear. This is the Lord's battle, and he will give you to us. So, God, we just come before you tonight, Lord. God, I ask you to give us grace, every single one of us, God, to surrender the battle. battle. We confess that the battle is yours. And we come boldly filled with courage and the Spirit of God inside of us. And we say to those Goliaths in our lives tonight that my God will fight for me. That the Spirit of God Himself will vindicate me, will fight for me, and will receive all the glory for the victory. All the glory, all the glory. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you that you do not ask us to be qualified, that you've already qualified us by your blood, by the cross. So, God, I just pray for a spirit of courage and boldness and sonship over every single one of us that we could come against the giants in our lives and declare with boldness and knowing that you've gone before us, that the victory is ours in your name and that the whole world will see that the Lord, Yahweh, Elohim is with us, is resting on us. So God, I just thank you that you look at the things, you look at the heart. You don't look at the things on the outside. 
We love you and we bless you and just thank you for what you've done for us. We thank you, God. We thank you. Thank you for the victory. Thank you for the courage. We declare it and we prophesy that the victory is ours in Jesus' name. The victory is the Lord's. The battle is the Lord's. And God, we just say yes to taking territory, to taking the those giants on and cutting off their head in Jesus' name for the glory of God. We know that you're calling us out. You're calling us to new assignments. You're calling us to take up territory. And God, I just pray that every single one of us, no matter what our experience has been in the past, that we will read and hear these words, David's words, echo in our heart, echo in our mind, echo in our spirit to give us courage. God, to step into the new things, the new assignments, the, the, the kingly and priestly assignments. In Jesus' name, we thank you that it's all possible through you, Christ Jesus. We love you and we honor you. In Jesus' name. sharing that I was thinking of 2 Corinthians chapter 2 where Paul says God always leads us in triumph through Christ to diffuse the knowledge of God everywhere, to bring the knowledge of God into every situation Lord we thank you that yours is the victory yours is the glory yours is the kingdom Yours is the power. Just release that power in our lives. Tonight, afresh and anew. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Good evening, everyone. Thank you, worship team. That was amazing. Good job. Yes, you. I was like, whoa, come on now. It was all good. It was all good. It just kept going and going. Wow. Thank you, Lord. We just have some things on our heart tonight. We're just, we don't have a plan. Just some thoughts and some verses that we've been talking into today and, and uh, meditating on. And we'll just see where this goes. So cool? Okay and cool. I said, oh, cool. And that's okay and cool at the same time. So. Uh, but what the theme that's on our heart is sonship and or being children of God being God's child and and what does that mean and and Mike's going to share some things he just got back with from Pakistan with Leif Hetland being with Leif Hetland and and being a son to Leif Hetland and walking alongside of him as a son, Leif is a spiritual overseer of this church, but he's also a, a he's laid the groundwork and he's become a father in the land of Pakistan. And uh, so I'm excited to hear, I've heard what Mike is going to share, but I'm excited to see what the Lord pulls out of his heart tonight. Um, but what was in my heart was a passage in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. So if you have your Bible, turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. We're going to begin in verse 14, and this isn't really a, 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 it never says daughter or son or child of God in this passage, but I'm going to point us to where it, I feel like you can, you can get there. Paul's referencing some things here that, that point us to God being our Father and we being His children. But we're going to start in, uh, in verse 14. The whole flow of thought begins in verse 11, just for your, just so you know, 11 through basically 7, 1 is all together, but we're just going to focus on a portion of it. It says in verse 14, 
For the love of Christ controls us because we have concluded this, that one died for all, therefore all have died. And he died for all, that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for their sake and was raised. I love this idea, the love of Christ controls us. This is a reality, this is a truth, this is not a feeling. (laughs) The love of Christ controls us even when we don't feel like being controlled by the love of Christ. We can still step in and enter in and say, I want your love to control me. I want your love to, to lead me. I want your love to awaken your thoughts and your plans and your will in my heart. And he's saying, and the reason we have this gift of the love of Christ controlling us, it's because Christ died for us. And Christ having died for us, he did this so that we might no longer live for ourselves, but for him who died for us and was raised again. This is a precious reality that Jesus gave his life for me so that the Holy Spirit could reside in my heart, so that the Holy Spirit could pour the love of God into my heart, and I would be freed from living for myself. We are in bondage when we live for ourselves. (laughs) We We are terrible when we live for ourselves. How many of you have felt the aftermath of living for yourself, the wake of sin, the wake of despair, the wake of hurting other people. The, it's terrible. And we can actually slip into this as believers. We can slip into the mindset of, of living for ourselves. I cry out for this very regularly. Lord, I want to be rooted and grounded in your love. I want, Holy Spirit, would you awaken my heart awaken my mind, strengthen me so that I could comprehend the breadth and length and depth and height and to know the love of Christ that passes knowledge. Don't you love that paradox there? To, to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. So it's more than a mental ascent. It's an experience. I want that love to control me so that it produces me living as a son before the Father. Just as Jesus was controlled by the love of his Father, and he lived as a son before him, I want to be controlled by the love that the Holy Spirit is pouring in my heart, and I live before God as a son. Not looking to please myself, but looking to bring my Father glory. Amen? So the love of Christ controls us. I actually had a a fun experience with this on Sunday morning. I wasn't with you guys here on Sunday morning. I was in uh, Monument, and I was filling in for Dan Crosby at Fuel Church, and I had the privilege of, of uh, worship, worshiping and, minister, and preaching at Fuel Church. So I got up in the morning, and I was feeling great the night before, just like, oh, Lord, I love you, and this is wonderful, and you know, went to bed, and you're going to do such good things, and, and I just woke up, like, not feeling the way I went to bed. <laughs> I woke up, and I was like, oh, I'm not feeling too well, and I was a little, a little, you know, I was kind of feeling something in my throat and something in my stomach, and, and uh, it's like, oh, no, <laughs> but I kind of, I just, Went past it and got into the Word and was praying for the day. And, um, and then we got in the car, Rachel and I, and my wife went with, went with me, and we began to drive to Monument. And I said, honey, let's just pray as we're driving. Let's just ask for the Lord to, to move. And we do that quite often as we're driving. And I began to pray. So I wasn't feeling great. I wasn't feeling... I honestly wasn't feeling like praying, you know. I was like, I'm just going to be obedient. I'm just going to ask for the Lord to to pour out His Spirit. I began to pray. 
Rachel began to pray. And I went from, I went, I, be, I honestly experienced this. I began to be controlled by the love of God. I just began to weep for what God wants to do in the front range. And when I say weep, I, I entered into this place of prayer to where I was feeling the Lord's heart. And every time I would pray, Lord, pour out your spirit. Lord, bring people in your kingdom. I would just weep under the anointing of the Holy Spirit with a spirit of prayer. And it was out of nowhere. <laughs> it wasn't, this isn't anything I was doing. This isn't anything I worked up. I was just being obedient, stepping in to my sonship, not living for myself, praying for Fuel Church. And the Lord goes, oh, I, I got one on that highway from, you know, on the I-25 corridor. And I'm going to let him feel my heart for this church. I'm going to let him have spiritual eyes to see what I am doing in this season. And he's going to cry out for my spirit to be poured out. And so anyway, we are obedient when we don't feel it. Amen? We are obedient when we don't feel it. And that truly is loving God. It's more than emotion. It's more than a feeling. We obey. And God says, oh, I... My eyes are searching to and fro throughout the earth, looking for those who will be loyal to me. Oh, that's those that I will use, who will deny themselves and live for me. Amen? Now, I love to feel it. Don't get me wrong. But we don't always feel it. Moving on. It says this. Let's jump to verse 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away, and the new has come. So if we are in Christ, if we are in the Son, and if we are a son before the Father, if this is true, if we put our faith in Christ, if we're following Him, we are a new creation. The old has passed away, and the new has come. Now this language of new creation, old passing away, new coming, in the Old Testament and in the book of Revelation, it points to the day when Jesus returns and he fills the earth with the knowledge of his Father as the waters cover the sea. He fills the earth with his glory and he begins to restore creation to its original order. So much, it, it culminates in Revelation 21 to where... And I just want to, we can just turn there to Revelation 21. It culminates in the new heavens and the new earth. It says this in Revelation 21. Then I saw a new heaven or a new creation. I saw a new earth and a new creation or a new creation. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. So Paul is saying, in Christ you are a new creation. The old has passed away and the new has come. So when Jesus said, it is finished on the cross, he purchased this day when the old would pass away, the new would come, the new Jerusalem would descend to the earth, and God himself would be our God and we would be his people and he would dwell in our midst and he would wipe away every tear from our eye. And what 1 Corinthians or what 2 Corinthians 5:17 tells us is the glory of that day is beginning in us in power now. And we are introducing that day to the earth now as ministers of this reconciliation with God. God brought us into the family. Reconciliation means peace was made between God and man. We were hostile toward God. I mean, when you read that Romans 5 of what we were, we were sinners. We were hostile. We were enemies. <laughs> That's not a good thing to be before God Almighty. But it says, but in that state, Christ died for us. And then it uses this term of reconciliation. If God has 
reconciled us to himself through his son, how much more will he not give us all things? It's beautiful. And Paul is saying in 2 Corinthians 5 that this new heavens, new earth reality is alive and at work in the earth today through the church. It says this in verse, 20, in verse 5. This is where the sonship ties in. It actually ties in in verse 3 as well. Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people. Now that word people, is, it's more family. They will be his family. They will be related to God. <laughs> and God himself will be their God. But let's go to verse 5. We're going to read verse 5 through 6. And he who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. Also he said, Write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. And it says, And he said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty I will give from the spring of the water of life without payment. And the one who conquers will have this heritage. And I will be his God, and he will be my son. So he's saying, this is where all creation is going. New heavens, new earth, the old passing away, the new coming. And then he declares to the one who conquers now, to the one who overcomes now through the blood of Jesus, putting their faith in Jesus, not giving up, having endurance in the faith, pressing in till the moment you die, that's conquering, that's overcoming, not getting comfortable with our sin. Pressing in, he says, to the one who does that, this reality will be their heritage, and I will be his God, and he will be my son. So what I was seeing is just this power that will be released in fullness in the age to come is at work within us now. Back to 2 Corinthians 5. We were in Revelation 21. Oh, yeah, I should keep reading. <laughs> Just to make the point, we're going to stop, but there's some other points to be made on the other side. So 2 Corinthians 5. Therefore, verse 17, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away, the new has come, and all this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. The way I was seeing this, and I, I spoke on this in, in Monument at Field Church, but God pulls us into the family business. So he says, hey, you're an enemy, I'm going to send my son, and my son through his perfect life and his shed blood on the cross and him paying the atonement for your sin. I mean, at the end of this, look at verse 21. For our sake, he made him, that's Jesus, for our sake, he made Jesus to be sin who knew no sin. So that we might become the very righteousness of God. That is unbelievable. When that doesn't move my heart, I say, Lord, I can't move on until that moves my heart. Let that move my heart again. Let that touch my heart. It says he became the curse so that we could be set free. So God sent his son. We were at war with God. We were hostile to God. He said, I'm going to send my son to become your sin so that you can become my righteousness, and I'm going to pull you into my family. Now, that right there is good enough, right? We could stop there and go, amazing. Thank you, Lord. Do the altar call. Amen. Everyone leave the building. But he goes on. He says, I'm pulling you into my family, but now you get to be a part of the family business. Now you get to work with me the Father's saying this. Now you get to work with me as a son. Jesus is saying, now we get to work as brothers and sisters 
And we get the pleasure of reconciling people to God. We get the ministry of reconciliation. This word ministry, it's used here like it was used in the Old Testament context of a priest ministering to God under the Old Covenant. He says, there's a new ministry I'm giving my church after my son has died for them. It's the ministry of the new covenant, and this new priestly ministry is reconciling people to God. And then Paul's very clear. He goes, so how does this work? (laughs) And he moves on. He goes, it doesn't work like Jesus reconciled you in the the sense that you're not going to lay down your life and pay for the sins of all mankind. He says, this is how you're going to partner with me. Verse 19, that is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them. And then here's our ministry of reconciliation. And entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. So he says, I'm giving you something very precious. When Paul uses this word entrust, Go throughout the New Testament and see the way he uses it. It's, it's precious. It pulls me back to the parable of the king who goes off into a far country and he entrusts his possessions to his servants. To one, he entrusts five talents. To another, he entrusts two. And to one, he entrusts one. He goes, what are you going to do with it while I'm away? That's what God has given us. He's entrusted to us as his servants as his sons, the message of reconciliation. So we engage people through words, through testimony, through signs and wonders. But the signs and wonders are to back up the message of reconciliation. The healing is to back up the, let me introduce you to the one who you have been uh, given the privilege of having peace with, God the Father. And then he ends it. He says, therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. And I was just seeing the power of this word, therefore. Therefore, we're in Christ. Therefore, we're new creations. Therefore, we're entering into the new that is coming, but that has already come. Therefore, we've been reconciled to God. Therefore, we are ministers of this reconciliation. Therefore, we begin the message of this reconciliation. If those things are happening, we're ambassadors of Christ. (laughs) Now, we've been given this privilege of being an ambassador now. But I was like, oh, I want all those things active in my ambassadorship. I want to be speaking. I want to be moving in the power of the new creation. I want to be uh, uh, pulling people. I want to be this message that's been entrusted to me. I want to be faithful with. And in that way, I want to be an ambassador of Christ. And this is the last thing I'll, I'll say before I hand it over to Mike. I was looking at the, the, this term ambassador for Christ, and I was, I was looking at how it was used in the Roman Empire. Because we think of ambassador as America has a, sends an ambassador for America to maybe Spain or something like that. And, and there's an American embassy, and it's, you know, to, to represent America to Spain, and that's good, and I think we can think of it like that. But in Paul's day, when Rome would conquer another nation, that's when they would send ambassadors to that nation. So ambassadors of Rome would go to conquered nations, and what they would do is they would bring the terms of peace to that conquered nation. So that nation, the army was conquered, they had surrendered. And the ambassador from Rome would come and say, this is how you enter into the the family of Rome, so to speak. This is how your nation can have peace with Rome, and we won't make war on you anymore. (laughs) And that opened my eyes to this. Jesus has conquered all. He's conquered the world. Amen? Though there's still a God of this age, Jesus has won the battle. When he said, it is finished, he purchased the day that we just read in Revelation 21 where the Father says, it is done. And everything in between 
he sends his ambassadors into conquered lands and says, tell them of the terms of peace. Tell them how they can have peace with me. I just loved that. It gave faith in my heart. I've been engaging in different ways just as I've been uh, ministering at the food bank or ministering here or, or, or walking into King Supers, saying, Lord, you've already won the battle. It's what Anna was praying. Like, the victory is the Lord's. You've already conquered, and you're sending me in to a conquered land to give them the message of peace, how they can have peace with God. Amen? Amen. Mike, why don't you come up and just go wherever you want to go and however the Holy Spirit leads you. That's good. I think we can end right there. <laughs> I just want to say, is there a way to turn the lights up here at all or on this thing? I'm in the dark. Okay. Uh, I, I want to tie in, first of all, I was just seeing this as, as Marcus was talking I got my finger in a bunch of different places here. But uh, as, as he's talking about uh, in, in, or in 2 Corinthians 5, where it says, therefore, if we... If anyone... <laughs> my Bible, by the way, is so worn out that the problem is, is like all the words are kind of like smeared <laughs> because of I've been just touching them so much. And so that's where I'm like, oh, I need light to, to see it. Uh, but if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone and, and the new is come. And, and as he was saying that, I was just seeing just over in Ezekiel where it talks about, it says, um, I will cleanse you from your impurities and from the idols and I will put a new heart. I, I will give you a new heart, and I will put a new spirit in you, and I'll remove from you your heart of stone, and I will give you a heart of flesh, and I will put my spirit in you to, to move you to follow my decrees and to be careful to keep my laws. And, and I want to say, as we're talking about this, this sonship, it, it really comes down to a, a position of abiding in the Holy Spirit, of, of allowing the Holy Spirit to move in and through us. Um, if we don't, it, when, when God takes out that, that heart of stone and puts in a heart of flesh, he's, he's referring to His Spirit that He actually puts in us. It's through Christ, but then we begin to actually operate in the power of the Holy Spirit. And, and in Romans 8, and Christy hit this a few weeks ago, um, but it's, it's just so good. Actually, I'll read it from the Passion. Because it, it just, just listen to these words. And this will just, it'll hit home again. Uh, it says, the mature children, and that's that, this is that maturity that we have, the spiritual maturity that we walk in. The mature children of God are those that are moved by the impulses of the Holy Spirit. So, uh, but he's talking about the children. And actually, just in the, in the NIV, it says those, there we go. <laughs> those that are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. That's what it says in the NIV. So, so how are we sons of God? And by the way, what, I, I know we've talked a little bit about this, but male or female, it doesn't really matter. Galatians talks about that. It doesn't matter whether you're male, female, slave, free, Jew, Greek. It's, it, it, we are all sons of God because it's the Holy Spirit that is actually on the, on the, inside, of, on, on the inside of us. <laughs> and, uh, and, and it's the Spirit that cries out, Abba, Father. So as the Spirit cries out, Father, on the inside of us, the Father goes, Son, this is my Son. So Sharon is a son of God. John is a bride of the bridegroom. <laughs> we're brides and we're sons. Uh, but, but this is, so it goes on to say, it says, and you did not receive the spirit of religious duty leading you back into fear. And, and fear is one of the main things that actually keeps us from a position of sonship. Uh, 
when fear comes in, it actually, we, we're not led by the Spirit. We're either led by a spirit of fear or we're led by the Spirit of God. Uh, it says in, in 2 Timothy 1.7, it says, For God did not give us a spirit of fear, but of power. And that's a dunamis power of love, and it's a divine love. That's the agape love. And then that sound mind, which is that, that understanding of, of God's will that we actually walk in. Those are the three things that we have. That's our position of sonship, and it comes through the Spirit. But fear is the actual thing that will shut that down. So when, when you're operating in fear in your life, and, and I see it all the time, and in myself as well, there are times where, where we operate, well, operate in fear, we have to shut that down, and we have to allow the Spirit to move. This is where um, it's, it's, a, it's a red flag. When that hits, you're like, oh, I am not being led by the Spirit. <laughs> and... Uh, let me say, when I was, I was just, and I got back from Pakistan um, Thursday night, Friday morning, it was about midnight, uh, so after 34 hours of travel, by the way, it was, <laughs> it was a long trip, uh, and, uh, but by God's grace, uh, I mean, I think right now, this is probably the worst time, is from here until about 9 o'clock, that my mind starts to kind of go, because it's a different, it's a, we're about 11 hours difference here. Um, and so, um, it's 11 hours later there, <laughs> uh, but, uh, uh, but as, as we came into Pakistan, uh, one thing I could not do is, is begin to get fearful. Uh, one that just takes me out of that place. I, I had to keep my eyes on Leif and I had to be positioned close to him. Uh, if you don't know, so Leif Hetland, uh, Marcus talked a little bit about it, but Leif Hetland had spent 26 years over in Pakistan, and uh, 26 years of sowing into this nation and building these relationships with the top leaders of the nation, uh, with the president of Pakistan, uh, with the grand imam who's the, uh, the, the, the religious leader over all of Pakistan, uh, and then a lot of the, the uh, just kind of tribal leaders for the different different groups, even the, uh, the, the guys that uh, train up the Taliban leaders and, and kind of the more uh, radical groups. Uh, he has built these amazing friendships with the top leaders. Uh, with the, there's a guy that's basically, uh, he's the, what, is I, what did I say? He's the, no, no, no. Um, he's, yeah, he's the Oprah Winfrey of, of Pakistan. And he's, he, he speaks to about 60 million people on television, and, um, and, uh, and Leif has become great friends with, with this man. He's an imam, and, um, and then, uh, gosh, some of the other leaders, uh, there's a group that we met with that uh, they're over, they have two million children right now that they are training up in the ways of Islam, and uh, gosh, there were others too that... that just on the different mountains, significant influence in these different areas. And uh, so here we are. We're going over to Pakistan. I've never stepped foot in Pakistan. I don't really know any. I'm like Wikipedia. <laughs> I got to find out about what this nation is all about. And, um, and, uh, and I'll tell you, if you've ever, who's, who's been over kind of to that, to that region, to the Middle East? So you it's a completely different culture over there than it is over here. Uh, the way they do things, and the, if I were to go up to a woman and give her a big hug, um, <laughs> I would be in big trouble. Even to go up to like an imam and to, sh to grab his hand or shake his hand or something, that is, that is off limits. You do not do that. So there are things that, that, uh, that you, uh, the only way, and, and I'm like, Leif, you gotta give me a crash course in this. Like, I don't know what I'm doing. And really what it came down to is just stay close to me. And this is, I, I learned some things just about sonship uh, that, I, that I, in a deeper way, that I've never really understood before. And, and so as we're talking about sonship in the way of, okay, it's the Holy Spirit that, that Jesus, because of Jesus, because of what he's done, now he sent the Holy Spirit to be inside of us. It is by the Holy Spirit that we're sons of God. 
So it's the Holy Spirit that we have to listen to. Bill Johnson says it well. He talks about like it's that dove on your shoulder. You're always aware of the dove. When the dove is sitting on your shoulder, in a sense, you're always aware of it no matter where you move. And this is that awareness of the Holy Spirit. For me, I had to be so aware of Leif because I had, to, I had to keep my eyes on him to know where we were going, what we were doing. I don't know these people. I don't know anything about them. I don't know how I'm supposed to respond. And so all I'm doing is staying close to him. Now, here's the cool part. Here's a guy, 26 years of, of building up these relationships. He has, he has established these relationships where he's not just a friend of these, of these leaders. He is a brother. And when, when you're called a brother over there, they will die for you. When, and when they call him a brother, he comes into their family. He gets to meet with the wife and with the children. Uh, he prays with them. Uh, they treat him as a brother and would do anything for him. And he, same for them. And so here's, here's me, new guy, never been there, don't have a clue what's going on. But guess what? What's taken him 26 years to do, he comes in now. So let me go. Um, some of these leaders, he was telling me when he first met them, um, not, he didn't even shake their hand in the first few years, and then he would get to shake their hand. And then they to, he, he told them later that uh, they would go and wash their hand after they shook Leif's hand because he's an infidel. And, uh, and so he was dirty, and they needed to wash their hands. So they would go and wash their hands. And then later, after a few more years, finally they would shake hands and wouldn't wash his hand. <laughs> and, then, and then got to the point where they began to hug and embrace and then kiss. And, and, and now they are strong like brothers. And <clears throat> so again, here's me coming in first time, never met these guys. And Leif introduces me as, as his son, as his spiritual son. And so what do they do? They embrace me with hugs and kisses, and I am immediately accepted as family, not because of anything I've done. <laughs> I mean, this is, it was such a cool concept to go, if I would have gone over there alone to Pakistan, I would have sat in a hotel, maybe prayed for some people on the street, <laughs> and called it a day. But what I got to actually do, I got to meet with top leaders. I got to meet with the grand imam who embraced me as a son. And I got to meet, like, in a hotel room where, with his sons. And so I'm with the grand imam who's bringing me presents and says, I want to bring you gifts. And he's bringing me gifts. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, what, I don't have any gifts for you. I'm sorry. <laughs> Here, take my shirt. <laughs> um, and then his sons are there, and we get to... We get to just spend time together and talk about life together. And, and then it's middle of the night, and the grand mom is with us, and, and he goes, let's go out for ice cream. And so we get in the car, and we're, we're going out for ice cream. With, this is the leader of, of a nation uh, who, who has, uh, he has a lot of control and a lot of power in, this, in the nation of Pakistan. He's the one that declares the fast, when they start, when they end. Um, and uh, we get to go in. This is, I mean, this is cool. First day, the Lord said, uh, he said, don't watch movies when you go over. You know, a lot of times international flights, you're like, oh, watch the movies, chill out. He said, no, I want you to prepare your heart. <laughs> you can sleep, and then you're going to prepare your heart. You're going to be in the Word. You're going to be pacing, just praying. He goes, when you, hit, when you land, you're going to hit the ground running. And I had no idea what the agenda was. Um, and we landed, and we literally hit the ground running. Uh, after, I don't know, 34 hours of traveling out, we landed, and, uh, and it was morning there. And literally, we go to the hotel, we grab our stuff, we change, and we go to what's called the King's Mosque, uh, which is the um, most famous mosque in Pakistan. It's a massive mosque. And, and here it was. It was the most holy day of the year. It was the Friday, the first Friday of Ramadan. And, uh, and we walk in with the grand imam, with guards at our sides, and we're ushered in, take our shoes off, and ushered in to the very front of this mosque where, first of all, infidels are not allowed to, to go in. <laughs> but not only are we going in,
but they, they bring us right up to the front, right where the, the, the main speaker would be, and they bring chairs up, and they sit us right behind. And so here we are sitting behind. Uh, there's, there's over a million people watching. This place is packed because it's the, it's the most, uh, like, it is the day. Uh, and, uh, and so there's, you know, cameras and everything, and they're taking pictures of us going, who are these people? <laughs> and here it is. This is my first day I've been in Pakistan for four hours. <laughs> and here we are sitting at the, at, the, at the King's Mosque, you know, up here. And uh, the Grand Imam gets up and he begins to speak. And, uh, and then he goes, now I want to introduce you to my brother, the ambassador of love, Leif Hetland. And, and Leif Hetland gets to come up and on this day, the most <laughs> holy day, he gets to speak a message of love about Jesus. And, uh, I mean, you talk about the favor of God. And I didn't get to speak. <laughs> and thank God, because I was nervous. I'm like, I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> Four hours in, I'm clueless. But I'm, all I'm doing, again, is I'm right at Leif's side. And I am a son to him. And my job is not to go, oh, I know what to do. I, yeah, I've done this before. <laughs> uh, my job is to honor him and let him, he is point. And all I'm doing is following his lead. Whatever he would say, uh, it's, this is also a culture where uh, you'd see, like, they, they do a lot of pictures. And so, like, after things would happen, like, they'd stand up. And then the people would get up for, for pictures. And, and you don't just kind of position yourself up there, but you wait to be asked uh, to come up. You know, there's that, there's that word about don't put yourself at the head of the table because <laughs> you're going to probably get moved. Um, and, uh, and so you just you learn to be in that submissive place and just wait for the, for, the, for the leading of, okay, now's the time. Now come up. And I would get, and it was crazy. Like, here's the grand mom, and all these people are there. And then they'd point to me and come up. And, I, and then everyone would have to move. And I would be positioned right next to the grand mom on the other side of Leif. <laughs> and again, it was this position of honor, but I did nothing for it. Absolutely nothing. I had, I, I, I had, I haven't sown into this nation. I haven't done anything. I have such a love for this nation now. And, and as I've gotten to meet these people, and, uh, and then we went. So we went from there and met a number of other key leaders. Um, there's things I've I got to be just careful about what I say because uh, it is live streamed. And, uh, but, uh, but we had, uh, we just had some precious times with the, the key leaders of, of a nation and, and here's the cool part. I, I think the, in addition to the Lord showing me just this the position of sonship and saying, uh, I got to experience something. I got to walk in and experience something and that, that has taken 26 years to build up. Um, and, and let me say, so compare this to now the Holy Spirit. Is, is we have, Jesus has done all the work, right? What work have we done? to get our righteousness. <laughs> Nothing. We, we can't do anything for that. But what we can do is become sons and gain everything that Christ has given us through the Holy Spirit. We get it all at no cost. Jesus took all the cost. He, he paid for it all, and we get to actually just step right into it. And, and I think... Let me just go here. and um, I, I think this is something I just wrote to, and I, I want to, I, I feel like a lot of times we, we discount ourselves. First of all, we have nothing. We are nothing. Like we're, <laughs> you know, there's that, I'm, I'm a sinner saved by grace. Yes, we are. But we have the Holy Spirit on the inside of us. And when we operate in a position of sonship, we are not just sinners saved by grace. We are empowered by the Holy Spirit to live a life as Jesus did on this earth and to walk in supernatural power beyond anything that we could do on our own ability. And we're not meant to walk in our own ability. We're not meant to, 
to do things in our own ability. We're meant to walk in the supernatural. We're meant to take hold of everything that Jesus has done and has now given us. It says that everything, he goes, he says this in John. He says, the Father has given me everything, and now I give it to you through the Spirit. So we have actually been given, everything that the Father has has been given to us. We're co-heirs with Christ. We have an inheritance that is unbelievable, and we get to operate in it right now. And, and what I see is I feel like I, if I didn't understand this position of sonship and, and, I, and I would have walked in with life and, you know, these people would have come up and I would have been like, oh, I, I don't know you, and no, I, I'm not worthy of that, and, you know, we haven't met before, so I'm just going to sit back. Instead of engaging fully in what I actually got to operate in as a son and step into these amazing relationships and, and establish things, and now I get to take things forward. It's the same thing Jesus said. He goes, he goes greater things will you do on this earth than I did. I was equating this, we were just back in the prayer room, I was equating this to, uh, you have David, and he gets 400 crazy guys that are all distraught, they're, they're, they're the 400, they're later called the 400 mighty men, but these are like not the guys you want to pick for your army. Uh, this is when he's in Adullam, and he's in the, he's in the cave, and he's hiding out, he's already been, uh, he's already been anointed as king, but he's not operating as a king, he's, he's hiding in the caves. And, uh, and you still have Saul who's trying to kill him. And, uh, but there's 400 of these crazy men that come alongside him, and, uh, and they become a son to David. And they learn in this time in Adullam, they learn actually how to become, uh, how to walk in sonship and how to, like, uh, walk into David's footsteps. And, and you see later on, these are the very men that are the... the the top warriors in his army as he does become king. And even leading up to that, they're the ones that take down more giants, greater giants than what, than what David took down. They do greater feats than what David did. And, uh, and I see us as those crazy bunch <laughs> that it's like, oh, man, they, they can't do it at all. And you're right, we can't do it. But when we walk into that position of sonship, we get to take hold of everything that Jesus had. And just like those 400 did greater feats than what, than what David did, we get to do the greater feats than what Jesus did. But we need to learn to walk in it. And so let me finish with this. I just, I started to touch on this on Sunday, and then I didn't get to it. And, um, and I'm just going to use this one as the example. But it, I think this is where we do such a good job of, of discounting ourselves and, and disqualifying ourselves from what God actually has for us. Now, in the Old Testament, there, the Holy Spirit came upon leaders. It came upon uh, the prophets and the priests and the, and the kings. Um, now, the Holy Spirit not only comes upon us, but is actually in us. So it's even a greater position and it doesn't, he doesn't come just upon, well, in a sense, he does come upon the prophets and the kings and the priests, but we are all in that position. We all get to take hold of that. We're all called uh, priests of the Most High. We are kings and we are priests. And so, and prophets. We all get to prophesy. <laughs> uh, so every one of us now gets to operate in, in a greater way than what we see kind of the, the greats of old operate in. But when you look at Moses, I just want you to see this. There was a commissioning that, that Moses stepped into in the very beginning. It, was, it started with this place where it says, uh, where the Lord said, take off your, your sandals for the place that you're standing is, is holy ground. And then he begins to talk to Moses, and they, they have this dialogue back and forth. And, and the Lord basically, I'll just kind of uh, summarize it here, but the Lord goes, you're going to be the one to take the Israelites and, and lead them out of captivity. You're going to be the one to go to Pharaoh and, and talk to him. And, and Moses, uh, he says this, <laughs> first, first disqualification here, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? 
And, and I want to say, I feel like this is, a, this is what we do, is we quickly disqualify ourselves because we don't realize that we have the Holy Spirit on the inside of us. And so when, when there's something that the Lord is stirring in our hearts, and it, it can be as simple as just the guy on the street or the girl on the street that, man, they just, you're seeing they need healing or they just need a touch from the Lord or they need to know Jesus. And we go, ah, that's not me. I, maybe, maybe a pastor should do that or someone else. And we disqualify ourselves from the very thing that God is actually saying, no, that's what I have for you to do right now. Uh, and there's, you know, that's, that's the little things, I think. But there's bigger things that I would say this. If, if we're only doing the things that we can do on our own abilities, we're not actually being led by the Spirit. Second thing he does is uh, Moses says to God, he goes, suppose I go to the Israelites and I say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they ask me, what's his name? What am I going to tell them? <laughs> and God goes, tell them I am. He's, and I, I mean, I'm, I'm sure Moses is like, what? <laughs> tell him what? Just tell him I am? Like, that's going to work? Uh, and so then he goes on to say, he goes on to this. Uh, they go through more dialogue. I'll just kind of fast forward a little bit. And uh, he's like, okay, you're gonna, you're, so you're going to lead them in, and, uh, and, and you're going to go to the leaders, and you're going to tell them, hey, we're, we're going out. We're going we're gonna to leave this place. We're going to be free. Uh, we're going to go into the promised land. And uh, Moses says, well, what if they don't believe me, or what if they don't listen to me? And, and again, what, he's, what we do... Uh, it's this position of we do this so often is we take it upon ourselves that it's about us. And, and we don't realize the power of the Holy Spirit that is inside of us and operates in and through us. That it's when we, when we get that self-focus, we take our eyes off of Him. And we take our place out of sonship. And we begin to operate in fear. What if? What if this? That's a position of fear versus a position of sonship because it's not about us. We don't have to worry about what the next step is. He's the, all we do is we step out. It says that those that walk, uh, the righteous ones are actually led by faith. So we don't walk by sight. We walk by faith. We're led by the Spirit. We're not led by our own thought process. I would say the other thing is, is when, when fear comes in, what do we try to do is we try to rationalize things, and we try to figure out things. We try to, to use our own mind, and it says that His ways are not our ways. So, if, if, we're, if the Lord's telling us to do something, and then we go, this is what Moses is doing, well, let me figure out how I'm going to do this. You're not actually walking in a position of sonship. You're walking in a, it's, it's actually an orphan mindset where you're going, no, okay, God, you want me to do this. I don't know how to do this. Let me figure it out. Boy, I, I've got a lot of fear in this. I don't know, uh, <laughs> I don't know how I'm going to make this happen. And God's like, you're not. You're never meant to make it happen. You're meant to just walk with me, and I'll make it happen. I'll be the one that leads you. The, the next one he says, uh, so finally he kind of gets past that one, and then... Uh, <laughs> The Lord's like, okay, so you're going to do these miraculous signs. Uh, I'm going to take you through. I'm going to take you. It says, uh, uh, anyway, here, Moses, here's Moses' response again. So this is the fourth time. He does this five times. The fourth time he says, oh, Lord, I have never been eloquent, neither in the past nor since you have spoken to your servant. I am slow of speech and tongue. So now he's looking at his own abilities. Uh, and saying, well, here's my abilities. I think he got the wrong guy. How many of us do that? You guys ever do that? Like, ah, you got the wrong one. I can tell you when I, when the Lord called me into pastoring, I, had, I hadn't ever preached a message uh, until 2014, and the Lord called me here in 2014 to be a pastor. 
and I, you know, I'm in the business world. I'm doing engineering. I'm a civil engineer, and and I'm like, I, I went through this. I went through all of this. I'm like, no, you got the wrong guy. This is not me. <laughs> I always told my dad, I will never be a pastor. Be careful what you say. <laughs> I'm like, I'm good in the business world. This is what I do, and uh, I, I think what we have to realize is. It is not about our abilities. It is truly about our availability. It is about us just saying yes to Him. The cool part is, is and I feel like this, God has such grace in this, even for Moses. I mean, I would, if it was me, I'd be like, all right, dude, I'll find somebody else. <laughs> like, let's look over here. Uh, God continues to work with Moses. And, uh, and He even says in here, He's like, look, um, well, He's a little hard on him. He's like, he says, who gave man his mouth? Who makes him deaf or mute? Who gives him sight or makes him blind? Is it not I, the Lord? And then he says this, now go, and I will help you speak, and I will teach you what to say. So, he didn't say, here, I'm going to give you eloquent speech. I'm going I'm to heal your tongue so you can speak clearly now. Nope. He said, go. And I will teach you along the way. You're going to walk with me. And this is, I feel like this is for somebody in here, like every one of you, <laughs> that this is a time when the Lord says to do something, don't try to figure it out and don't try to make sure you have the ability to do it. Your job is to go and he's going to walk with you and he's going to teach you how to do this. He's going to teach you his ways which are not our ways, and you're going to do mighty feats not because of what you can do, but because of what He can do through you. The last one, he says it again. Uh, right after that, <laughs> Moses, at this point, Moses really does, doesn't have any other excuse, so he just goes, oh, Lord, please send someone else. <laughs> I love that. Like, Okay, I'm out of excuses, but Lord, still please send someone else. <laughs> and uh, anyway, I think you guys know the story. He brings, he brings, he says, all right, we'll get Aaron to come in and help you. I mean, this is the grace of God. Just <laughs> and he didn't need Aaron, uh, but, but he gave him that, that place. Aaron actually caused some problems for him along the way. Uh, would have been better without Aaron in there. Uh, Moses was meant to lead. And that's the other thing is sometimes we give up or kind of our, our, the, the authority or the very thing we're supposed to step into. And it was out of fear. It was out of fear that, so he's like, okay, you're going to have Aaron. But Aaron caused problems along the way uh, that made it more difficult for Moses to do the things that he was supposed to do. So anyway, all that to say, we need to learn to walk as sons. And it is a position of submission to the Father and to the Spirit to allow Him to do what He wants to do in and through us. And I believe if we begin to do this or continue to do this, I know we're doing this, but kind of take that next step, I believe we're going to see things, we're going to do things that we're going to be taking down giants. We're going to be moving mountains. We're going to be doing things, and not for our glory. And here's the cool part like my time in Pakistan, I can't come back and go, wow, let me tell you about all the things that I accomplished. <laughs> I actually did nothing. I had no, like, it was not because of me in any way, but man, it was, they're great stories, and man, how cool it was to see that in operating in a position of a son, I got to do things that I never could have done had I have stepped in there and tried to do things on my own. I believe the Lord has amazing things for us to do in this season. And it's going to require sonship. It's going to require that we walk in that place of, of abiding in Him and trusting in Him and not resting or relying on our own abilities. Got it? I'm expecting great things. <laughs> Let's pray. And then we got about 10 minutes before we got to pick up kids, I think. So... Um, I would encourage you just before we leave, after I pray here, uh, why don't we stand up, we'll pray, and just get with the people around you, maybe just, you know, a few people, and I would encourage you just to pray into this. I think just that, that this would begin to really take root in us, 
we are a new creation in Christ Jesus. And that new creation, what we are is we have the Holy Spirit now on the inside of us that reconstructs us, reconstructs our thinking, reconstructs the way we move and operate because now we don't operate in our own abilities. We operate through the power of the Holy Spirit, which was the very way we were born and made to operate from the very start. It's how it was with Adam and Eve, and it will, it's how it will be in Revelation when he says, I will be their God, they will be my people, and they will dwell with me and I with them. So, Lord, I ask right now that you would reveal to us in greater ways this understanding of sonship. Lord, that we would be so submitted to your spirit. Lord, we love you, but there's also that radical obedience to your ways. And you say, if you love me, you'll obey my commands. Lord, I pray that we would learn to walk in obedience above our understanding, above knowledge, that we wouldn't allow those things to get in the way. We wouldn't allow fear to get in the way. But, Lord, that we would have that faith would override fear, that faith would override our, our knowledge of our own abilities or that reasoning that we would try to have. Lord, I pray that this would be a new season for us, that we would be able to operate in the fullness of what we were created for. Every single one of us is created for greatness in Christ. We weren't meant to live boring lives on this earth or lives that are just for ourselves. We're not meant to live lives for ourselves at all. We're meant to live lives in Christ for Him, for the glory of God. So, Lord, I ask you for an empowering of your Holy Spirit. I pray for, for that, that walk that we would have into sonship, that we would know who we are in Christ, and that we would walk with faith and not allow fear to shut us down. In the name of Jesus, and everyone said, Amen. God bless you guys. 